All right, everybody, welcome back to another live episode of Life, Leadership, and the Pursuit of Greatness. I'm your host, Tim Lovell, along with my co-host, Dwayne Mathis. We have uh, women's uh, basketball coach at Cornell College, Brent Brazzi, joining us. We're going to get to our distinguished guest here in just a minute. Uh, but just want to say thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, we'd like to thank Coach Nate Alba for uh, letting us shoot this live on his clinic.chiefpigskin.com website. Uh, Dwayne and I are very grateful for the work that he does. And uh, if you need anything related to program development, X's and O's, leadership, culture, uh, you can find it on chiefpigskin.com. Check it out. Coach Alba does a ph phenomenal job. Um, and and th thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, this podcast is for you. This is a leadership podcast. Uh, we talk with coaches all over the world. Uh, all over the country um, and get their take on what it means to be a leader and how to get better at that position. Uh, because really it's not a title, it's an action. And uh, we're going to dig deep with Coach Brazi on that later uh, in our podcast. But first, Coach Mathis, how are you, brother? I'm doing well, doing well. You know, just uh, a lot of uh, uh, chores around the house today. It was a, a chore day. So I uh, got the lawn mowed and uh, it was a not too hot kind of day. Not going to be like this weekend when, of course, uh, we have some big family plans coming in when it's supposed to be in the triple digits. But, uh, you know, hey, we'll take it. Sunshine and can't get any better. Amen to that. Amen to that. And um, just so you guys can make the connection, uh, I'm a 97 Cornell graduate of Cornell College of Mount Vernon, Iowa. And our guest is also a graduate of Cornell. He's a little bit older than me, not, not too much, but you can tell by his hairline, he's about uh, doing what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm going to try to talk him into the bick here uh, when we get off this podcast. But uh, Coach Brazi, women's basketball coach at Cornell, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, we're thrilled. That we're thrilled that you're here. Um, can't wait to dig into this important topic that uh, really I, I feel like you have a lot of important takes on and, and uh, great things to share with people. I, I followed you on, on Twitter and I knew that you're a Cornell guy. You and I don't have a long history in terms of relationship, but uh, we both have a long connection to our alma mater and you've been at Cornell now 15 years. But we'd love to hear your backstory um, and then we'll dive into that whole leadership thing so people can figure out who you are and, uh, and how you got to be where you are right now. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Tim. And, and, um, no, we don't, we don't have a long history, but I've, I've followed you for a, a long time and, and have a tremendous amount of respect and, and a couple of people that I, I, I do know, um, more and more deeply have a, have shared a deeper relationship with the longer, uh, Ray Riesland. Oh, um, yeah. I've had tremendous amount of respect for, and I've, I worked side by side with for a number of years here and, and, uh, Dwayne Orr, mm. uh, both have spoke so, so highly, um, of you. And Appreciate so anyway, that. I, I, uh, and, and I do remember when I coached at co, which I'll get into, I coached the men's squad there that, um, you and you and some other football players came marching in pretty confidently oh, yeah. a number of years and sat behind our bench and, and, and had a fun time heckling and, and cheering and, and enjoying those, those times. So for sure. Um, so anyway, I, I graduated from Cornell in 1990. And, um, you know, I, I guess um, I grew up on a farm, Northeast Iowa. Um, my father, 92, um, and get a lot of inspiration from him. He walks four miles every single day. Um, I think it was two Christmases, two Christmases ago. He put a pull-up bar up in his in his basement. Okay, so it tells you, you know, he's he's a, he's a farmer. So it tells mm -hmm. you, you know, a little bit a little bit about him. But uh, you know, I say I he give he, give he and my mother, um, who's a couple years younger, um, 
you know, as soon as you, as soon as you stop, you rust mm-hmm. in anything you do, you know, and, and, um, they've kept their mind sharp and their body sharp because they keep, they keep doing and they keep learning and they keep growing. And that's, that's really growing up on the farm. That was, it was such a great, and I didn't think about it then. And I, but I do now, you know, just all of the chores, all of the hard work, all of the, the, uh, you know, I tell my, my kids these stories all the time and, and they probably don't like them, but you know, dad would say, Hey, to go do this. And you went and did it and you figured out a way to do it. You know, you, you figured out a way to get it done. And that, that type of, perseverance and that type of work ethic. Um, just a couple of things that, that I'm, I'm so grateful to, to have from, from my parents. And, but anyway, I grad, I went to Cornell was really inspired in high school by Marty McCowan. If you know, if you know, Marty, the longtime boys basketball coach at Wapsie Valley and, uh, his son, John is, is a great basketball coach, uh, in his own right at, at Kennedy his other son, Brooks, is um, the Upper Iowa men's basketball coach. And so anyway, my sophomore year in high school, Marty walked in math class, uh, fresh out of Upper Iowa University, had his, his diet Pepsi and, uh, and was just inspirational to me. And um, so that really inspired me to, to get into coaching. But anyway, I went to, went to Cornell and graduated from Cornell in, in 90. Uh, went to co for years, an assistant men's coach came, went to, uh, um, dirt while I was going to, to Iowa to get my master's and then the Animosa boys job came open and I took it for two years. And while I finished my master's and, uh, then I came back to Cornell as an assistant men's coach. And then I went to co for 11 years as the, as the men's head coach and really enjoyed my time there and had, had tremendous years there and tremendous people there. And, and um, then 15 years ago, I came back, came back here. My wife and I were living in Mount Vernon and um, we made the move um, simply because of happiness, you know, and, and um, we have, we had um, three and no, we had two, the third one on its way and the fourth one we've added and uh, the commute of two minutes and being at your alma mater and, and we love Mount Vernon and the school district. Um was something that, that, um, really made what was what we wanted in life. So that's, and, and we've enjoyed our time here at Cornell and in Mount Vernon. So coach, when you talk about, um, obviously your, the course of your career, you obviously had to have some influencers that, uh, you know, made a tremendous impact on you throughout, uh, your career, whether it be coaches that you've played for or coached alongside with. And I was just curious if you could maybe uh, give us a little insight on that. Yeah. One of them I mentioned briefly, Marty, Marty McCowan. And um, he had, he was recognized as the high school uh, coach of the year uh, this year. And um, they won a state title. And so he was, he was my, my first coach. And uh, that really, I think gave me inspiration and, and uh, as a mentor and then uh, Gary Grace, um, oh, yeah. the long time, um, he was coach at the, the men's coach at Cornell. And then he went to Warburg as the AD. And, and, um, so he's an, uh, he's another one. Um, when I was at co, um, John Ostendorp, the current wrestling coach, he and I always bounced ideas back and forth. Um, and, uh, so really, really appreciate his, his friendship and, and, um, and, and then Don King, the longtime boys basketball coach at Cedar Rapids, Washington, um, who's 
since since retired, but he and I ran basketball camps together for about 10 years. And he was just a, a, a just a great person, a great mentor, um, a great coach. So th- those are some of them that, that I think I really drew inspiration from. I think it's great to hear you have camaraderie with coaches from other schools. I think and that's one of the things that Dwayne and I really appreciate about this podcast is we're both high school football coaches, but you're a women's college basketball coach and we can all learn from each other. And I think um, the ability to collaborate and, and put egos aside is really the definition of an, a strong leader. But um, I'd, love, I'd love to hear your take on defining leadership. Everyone's got a little bit different spin on how they see it. Well, what's your yeah. take on it? Yeah, that's how many podcasts have you had? 30, um, 39. 39. Okay. Yep. Have, have you got it defined yet? No. No, it's, it's tough, isn't it? And it's yeah, always evolving, it's, it's always yeah, changing. And absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, you look at like just mine, I just look at my philosophy. And I started out and I was so blessed to, to have a, a head coaching job when I was 26 years old. I was the youngest men's college coach in the nation when I got it. Mm-hmm. And how much my philosophy has, has changed and, and, uh, you know, on, on everything, on, on leadership, on life. And, and, um, but, um, it's, it's hard to define. And I, you know, I listen to your podcast, you read books, you listen to, and, um, gosh, if it was easy, you know, if it was easy, if we said, okay, these, these are the three things we need and we all have a different blueprint and, um, you know, we, we can all get it done. Right. And, and, um, but, but it's not. And, and the other thing I look at is I'm, I'm 52. And as Tim pointed out, I look a lot older. No, but, you don't. But no, I, don't. I, it, but, uh, you know, I, I look at the, the number of coaches nowadays that get a, get a shot early and then, and then for whatever reason, because of parents, because of burnout, whatever it is. Okay. They're out of coaching by the time they're 45. I mean, a lot of my friends that started coaching, you know, when I did, they're not coaching any longer. Mm. Okay. And, and now I look at what I have to give our student athletes. Okay. Hey, I'm just, I'm just now starting to, to really feel I can really through all life's experiences, through my coaching experience, really, really have an impact. But unfortunately, you know, a lot of people are out of coaching by the time they get to, to my age where 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't the case. Right. I mean, you'd see people coaching 60, 65, and you still have some, and and uh, and and I will because I have a fourth grade daughter. But but um, you know, most of most of them are out. And so, if you ask, you know, what I want to accomplish now, my 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 end goal is really to create happiness. You know, and I've got I've got four children, and that's my end goal for them to give them to help them create a happy life. And, and that's my end goal for our players too, to help them create a happy life. And I don't mean happy by like going to Dairy Queen every night, you know, that's, that, that can be happy. Right. But that's not creating a, that's not ultimately creating a happy life, but you know, I, I want to set the, you know, leaders set the vision, right? We, we set the vision. And then once we set the vision, you know, then hopefully we can help, we can model that behavior and we can help our players obtain that. And, and, but that's really what, what, what I want to do, you know, and there's a lot of different components that go into it, but I want to help them to be able to build, build a happy life because I, I think higher education, um, society, and, you know, it doesn't, we don't, 
you know, some of us do, some of us, some of us do there, there are books out of there, out there, there, there's all, you know, about being happy, but, but for a lot of people, that's not the end goal. And I look, if that was my end goal, when I started out coaching at co, okay, I would have been a much better coach, you know, than, than, than I am now, than I, than I was then, you know, right, right, yeah. and, you know, you look at, you look at, you know, I love Iowa football. I'm a big Iowa football follower, you know, and, and always fought. And I'm like thinking, you know, as a coach, you just examine that, right. You examine what, what's going on. How could they, you know, and I'm just look thinking, okay, if the end goal down there was to, to create happiness, you know, so that players left players are always going to leave, right. Players are always going to leave players are always some are some, and, and, but so anyway, that's that's my that's my goal, I guess. That's my vision. Hey, I, I want to help them build a happy life and and give them thoughts, suggestions, ideas, model behavior to to help them obtain it, to help them fix it, to to help them build it, to help them define it, and and um, hopefully help them on that journey. Yeah, because really, what you're trying trying to do through the work that you, you you espouse is to give them what some might call a blessing later on in life, uh, because yes. you you've given them the tools to be successful. You've led the horse to the water, but you're not making them drink. They have to choose to do those things to get better. Um, and once they do, they realize, holy smokes, this is this is amazing. I can't I can't get over that. But some kids never get there. Some kids can't get out of their own way, uh, and and to your point, some coaches they they stop digging, you know, a foot away from the the tunnel of light, if you will. Um, yeah. wh- what's your take on that? Why why do why do people fall short sometimes of that? You know, what? Guess kids that's or they, coaches. So, yeah, that's that's hard, isn't it? That's that's a uh, so there, there's a there's a there's a study that was in oh is it in the 1700s? If you ever heard of the purple. Fever, okay, over in Europe. Purple fever is the 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 black death of childbed. It was mm. called black, the black death of childbed. So anyway, half of the mothers that that gave birth were dying after they gave birth, okay, to this purple fever, and this went on into the 1700s for a long time, and they couldn't figure it out, okay, and then so one doctor came along. And this doctor came along and he started to study what the doctors that were taking care of these mothers were, were doing. So he followed and watched these doctors over a period of years. Years, And here's what he figured out. These doctors were trying to figure out how to get, get rid of purple fever. Okay. And they were studying these patients that died with from purple purple fever in the morning and then the afternoon they were making their rounds and they were helping mothers deliver their babies and the short of it is he said hey you're spreading it the doctors are spreading it you know you're not washing their ha- your hands doctors didn't believe it for a number of years a little bit later other doctors started studying it and they said hey we just have to simply wash our hands we wash our hands we have better cleanliness they got rid of purple fever. And here's the, the moral to the story. Okay. Some, sometimes, okay. We're, we're at fault, right? Sometimes we're at fault, but we don't, it, we don't see it. You know, I, I, I believed everything I thought 
when I was younger, right? I, as a coach, I believed what I, what I knew. I believed what I thought. The problem is some of what I thought was, was wrong. You know, some, some of what I thought it, it, it wasn't right. It, 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 it was only through, I think, examining and, and, um, you know, life's experiences and coaching experiences and being reflective. And I think being honest with yourself in learning and growing was that, that I was able to, to, you know, recognize, uh, some of those things that, you know, I need to need to improve, need to change, and then certainly become, becoming a father helps, you know, having two daughters everything. and, and two, two sons, then it changes. You know, like I said, all of a sudden my end goal was, Hey, helping them build a happy life. Period. Okay. That was it. That's it. Helping them build a happy life. Period. And then the way you think then, it changed the way I started coaching as well. It makes you much more makes you much more aware, right? Um, of what you're doing and what you're saying and how you're saying it compared to I'm just going to tell you what to do and I expect you to do it because that's what I was told to do and that's what I did. And so yeah. uh, go deal with it. And uh, it's much different um, when you come to that realization. It's uh, that sort of that self-actualization, if you will, in terms of uh, being an effective coach, I would say, because if you can identify a couple things and maybe you can tweak, boy, that can make a real difference for you. Because when I my first year of coaching at Lake Forest, I think I had 17 defensive backs and um, you know what? I would know it. Not everyone was going to play, but we were, we were going to work hard and I was going to yell a lot because that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's what happened to me a lot, you know, particularly in high school. Uh, Brent Sands was not, not that way at all. Um, but I, Hey, listen, you want something done, you raise your voice and if you don't question it. Gets, it gets done. Right. And then it yeah. gets done. Yeah. It gets done. And I, I tell coaches all this all the time. And I think it happens, especially to male coaches. Okay. When I was younger, man, we were going to play hard. You know, we we're going to play hard. And even if you lost a game, you'd have fans or parents come up and say, man, you guys play hard. You know, and that was like a badge of honor, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that was like, yeah, you're, you're darn right. We play hard, you know? Yeah. And well, can you get them to play hard? Can you get them to be disciplined? This is it. Can you get them to be disciplined? Can you get them to play hard and still have compassion? You know, can you have that, that structure that, and still have that empathy, you know? And knowing, knowing that we all have a different blueprint, you know, not all your kids are, have the same background, have the same mental outlook. Not all my kids do. And, and so it's, it's not just black and white. It's not, you know, everything's a shade of gray. And, um, and so how can we, how can we as coaches, and that was always my methodology, you know, you, you, we were, Hey, we're going to play hard. You know, mm -hmm. we were going to work hard and we were, and, um, but, but sometimes you, you remove the enjoyment and, and so how can you keep that enjoyment in the game? How can you, how can you yeah, get that structure, get that discipline, get that work ethic and still have compassion and empathy and make it really, really enjoyable.
You know? so, so, so within the confines of your program, as you've, as you've grown and evolved, um, you, I've heard you mention the word empathy and um, compassion, but what are, what are the non-negotiables that you sort of established? Like, this is, this is what our program is about, or this is what I am as a coach. Um, and this is what I'm going to impart upon, you know, to our team, you know, so how, yeah. how, what, what's your but, philosophy on that? So, so here's, here's one thing that we try to do. I, and I, I think if you, you'd watch us, if you'd watch us practice anytime, from 20 years ago to, to today, one thing, we always practice hard, okay? But how we do that now is so much different than how we did it then. I think we are good at it then. I think we're great at it Great at it now. One of the things that, that we really try to do is our communication is extreme, okay? Our, our communication and, and everyone, you know, I'll tell, I'll tell recruits this. I'm like, hey, we, we communicate and this is, and the recruits are always like, oh yeah, yeah, we do too, you know? And, and it's like, I don't say this, but it's like, no, you have no idea. And because our communication, when we come on the practice floor, our communication drives our, our enthusiasm, right? Our, our communication mm. drives our enthusiasm and that enthusiasm drives that effort. And, and that effort is going to determine whether we're having sustained success, right? We're, we're the, if we're, if we have effort every day, we're going to have sustained success. And, but, but it doesn't happen without communication. And I think that's one thing I think coaches give up on that really easily. And so to give them ways to communicate. And, and the other thing is kids are, kids are always, you know, some, some kids are quiet. Some kids are bubbly. Some kids are, Hey, it, for us, it doesn't matter. Okay. For us, it doesn't matter. You're going to communicate and here's ways you can communicate. We don't care if the communication is sometimes goofy. We don't, but it, it communication does, it drives that enthusiasm. And, and you only have an average day in life because you choose to have an average day, right? I mean, you yeah. gotta, you gotta, and yeah. that's the same in practice. If you're going to have an average practice, it's because you chose, chose it. If you're going to have a great one, okay, we're going to figure out ways to have a great one. And that for us, it, it, it is the communication. And then we very rarely have to ever address effort. Okay. Be- because we have that communication going. Um, when we do, I mean, if, if we do, so the, the other thing, and, and I know football is a little bit different than, than basketball in some way, but in some ways I'd love to coach football because our pace is really extreme. We, we never sit in one drill too long. Mm-hmm. We're, we're on one drill, two minutes, three minutes, one minute, four minutes, two minutes. And again, again, sports are all a little bit different, huh? but I, I've always thought, and this is, you know, when we first started out, we, we could defend, man, we'd sit in that shell drill for 15 minutes and we'd, you know, we'd grind them out and we'd be mm-hmm. tough and we'd, and now we'll go to shell and it's like three minutes. And I don't care if they're, I don't care if they make mistakes, but I don't want them to fail at what I want them to be successful at. And what I want them to be successful at is effort. And if I put them in a drill too long, the mind gets bored. And as soon as the mind gets bored, okay, we're going to lose, we're going to lose effort. Okay. And maybe not everyone, but, but, but some, some right. Little Johnny or little Susie, or they're, you know, maybe, hey, maybe, maybe Rocky isn't, but some of them are. And so we, we move in and out of drills um, quickly. When we do make a mistake, we don't stop talk to, okay. We, we do one thing, like we just say one push up. So if someone doesn't have effort, if someone doesn't, we just say one push up. We don't stop anything. We don't, 
they just do one push up. And the one push up doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, Tim, you it's, could do 200 push ups. It's right? a reset, right? It's a reset. Yeah, Dwayne can do 225. Doesn't matter. Okay. But it's just all of a sudden they do one push up. And it's like, okay, they do one push, you know, and it's one push up. And, and so again, we're not stopping. We're just, it's just a mental, yeah, like you said, a reminder that to, to them. And then we try to sequence differently as well. We don't start out with the same. We, we have four different dynamic warmups that we do. They're all, they're all to accomplish the same goals, right? We want to, we want to make them more athletic. We want to prevent injuries and, you know, we're getting them ready mentally and, and communication and all that, but we have four different ones um, so that the mind stays fresh. And, um, Boredom and, breeds and, complacency, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and again, I think it's really, uh, you know, all of a sudden you get to a, you get to a point in life, you get to a place in life and you don't know how you got there. And, um, and I think it's the same for coaches where, and I don't mean a location, but I mean, it's like, sometimes you go through practices, you get through and it's like, you know, you don't even recognize what you're doing sometimes, you know, it's just, you, you do what, you, what, you know, and sometimes what, you know, I mean, you've got to be really looking from the outside in and really, really examining it and, and saying, okay, is there anything I could change? What could I change? What could I, you know, and, and, and not be afraid to experiment too. You know, that's, um, we've had a ton of drills where we've done where, you know, assistant will come in after, after practice and be like, man, that was terrible. I'm like, yeah, it was, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. It was, you know, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you kind of laugh at, at it, but you're not afraid to, you're not afraid to fail. You're not afraid to experiment and try things and, and be like, okay, that, and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, that works. You know, I love that, you know, or, or that, that doesn't, that doesn't, yeah. that didn't work. Right. Yeah. And it, it might work for another coach who really runs it really well, but it doesn't work yeah. for the team or the, the program or the drill yeah. that you're working on. Yeah, for sure. Coach, uh, we had uh, Frank Howell on earlier in our, our podcast. Um, and he Love talked. Frank. Yeah. And uh, he, obviously, he is, it, there's another great guy. Absolutely. Uh, we curious to know this because we have other other coaches that have have asked us about this question, but uh, really intrigued. You know, I, I know that you know, in, in talking with Frank, that you know he, he spent a lot of time on the road recruiting, and I'm sure you do as well. You know, going to all these different gyms across the state of Iowa and the Midwest in general. You know, having a, a young family like yourself. I mean, you have four children. How do how do you balance that? between, you know, your professional career and coaching and your, your personal life? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. In fact, I listened to Frank when he was on, when he was on with you guys as well and have a lot of respect for, for Frank. And, and, um, um, so I, you know, my, my story is somewhat similar to, to Frank in a way that I didn't get married when I was really young, didn't have kids when I was real young, you know, that's why I'm going to be coaching until I'm 70 because I have a fourth grader. Right. And that's so, um, but the, so what that allowed me to do when I was younger, it was just like, Hey, I could, I could go on the road recruiting, literally, you know, come in, sleep in the office, wake up, go shower and, and loved it. Absolutely loved it. And, but then when you have kids and that's, so when I made that, when I was at co, I said, we had two and the third was on its way. I made the jump to, to the Cornell women and, 
And um, just simply because of happiness, simply because I was leaving the office in the morning a lot of times before maybe the kids were up and I would get back and they were in bed. Or I would drive back and, um, you know, it's only 20 minutes with 20 minutes one way, 40 minutes. And you drive back, you have a late practice, you do it, you do a dinner and you, and so, and so anyway, the, the women's job came open and some people didn't understand why I took, you know, the women's job because they were, they were 0 and 24 before I took over, you know, and, and for me, that didn't, that didn't matter. And, and we had our best, we had good, really good teams at Co. Um, before I left, but we were having our best team coming up, you know, and, and, but the opportunity, you know, you didn't know if someone took the, over the women's job or, you know, how, when I could come back here, but to live in a small community was really important in, in Mount Vernon. And, and it gave me a chance to, to really balance that life where the kids have grown up walking down from the elementary school, coming to our practice, you know, and, I can go see, and you know how it goes. You, you, there's a kindergarten play. It lasts 10 minutes, right? It, the, the play literally is 10 minutes, but now I can go at one o'clock, go to that play for 10 minutes and then come back, come back here. But it's just, you know, it's just something you have to prioritize. And, and, um, and really the, the other thing, and I, I, again, I credit the farm and credit dad. I can get up early and, and, um, because I'm old, right. I get up early and, and uh, I can come in the office for a couple hours and go back and make him breakfast and see him off to school. But, you know, for me, it's just just like anyone. It's just prioritizing, um, you know, the importance of, of seeing them, spending time with them and, and creating memories, you know, and creating, you know, being intentional, making sure that, that you create. And because if you if you're not careful, all of a sudden you're your life, your, your work becomes too, too important. And I, and I, I love coaching, you know, I, I, in fact, I was just telling this to someone the other day, you know, that I don't even ever talk about retiring because I don't, I don't think about it in that way. You know, I don't think about, Oh God, can't wait till I get 65 years old where I can, because I've enjoyed thoroughly every single day, you know, coaching, even through the pain, you know, even through the misery, even through some of that, it's, it's still been, been joyful for me, but just for me, it's just been making sure that, Hey, there's balance and, and, um, and being intentional, creating those, those memories. And, and again, I've been blessed because I've, I've, I had, I took over a job that allowed my family to really be at work and allow me to be at, at home. Um, and, and some people don't have that luxury, but I did. And, and, uh, and it's been wonderful for me. Well, that's really, I mean, I think you're in a, a really unique situation in the fact that you can have both the best worlds, it sounds like, you know, living Absolutely. in a community like Mount Vernon and, and being at Cornell. So that's outstanding. But one question that, uh, you know, you said that you're, you're no um, hurry to retire, you know, since you have a, a fourth grader. Um, but if you were not coaching, what would you be doing? Navy SEALs. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to love believe me love I'd love yeah. to. Um, gosh, that's something I, we've never asked a guest before but yeah, i just kind of popped you know if in i head, if so. i could coach another sport the the two sports i'd love to coach well one would be wrestling i've always loved dan gable and 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 iowa and brands and 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 all those guys i i just love when when the when a wrestling recruit comes through i 
can't wait to talk shop with them, even though they may think, what in the heck is this guy doing? But um, I, I love, but um, yeah, that's a good question. I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I'd like to say I could be happy doing it, doing anything, you know, it's a mindset, it's a mentality. And, and, uh, um, selling stuff if, if I wasn't a Navy, I'd love to farm too. Farming would be, farming would be, would be great. Nice. Well, coach, I think, I think, um, you hit on something that's important for a lot of people to realize is that, uh, your career can't define you. It's, it's who you are that defines you. And I think there's, there gets to be a lot of gray area with coaches and with athletes about that. Um, you know, the whole ego side of things and, um, really how you develop as a person. And I think this COVID-19, the, uh, the leadership podcast Wayne and I have been a part of for so long has really been eye-opening for me because I really feel like, yes, I, I'm called to be a coach and I'm doing what I should be doing. And I think Dwayne feels the way, same way. And coach, I would I would venture to guess that you feel that as well. Uh, but if you weren't doing something else, you would be giving your best effort uh, because that's who you are and that's what you're about. You're a character guy. and And so when you're dealing with for us, it's the high schoolers. For you, it's college kids, but it's still young adults, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds that are still trying to figure out life, um, and they're very ego-driven, um, you know, extrinsic reward. It's very hard to find intrinsic uh, reward-type uh, players. H- how do you build that intrinsic motivation, finding the why for the players to to get rid of the ego, to understand it's okay to fail, to be better. What are the things that you do to develop that within your program? I know that's a really loaded question, yeah. um, but I th- I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's, that's the, yeah, finding your why that's, 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 that's important, isn't it? And that's, um, gosh, and having kids, you know, um, and again, I'm, I'm partly blessed because when through the recruiting process, when you, we've, we've had so many great people in our program, so many great teammates, so many great leaders in our program. And when I, whenever I meet their parents, the first time I meet their parents, I'm like, they get it. They, they get it. You know, they, and, and then when you have some, it doesn't mean they're not going to be successful. It doesn't mean they're not good people. It doesn't mean, but then you have some, prospects you meet your parents the parents and you're like huh you know and almost almost every single time the parents that wowed me when i first met them if we've been blessed to get them they they've been spectacular and almost every single time not always but when the parents are like ah you know um they've been more more challenging just because of the, the, the mixed, the mixed mess, the mixed messages. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think, you know, hopefully the one thing they can take away from me or our coaching staff is that we try to model that behavior that we want them to, them to exhibit. I mean, we try to, you know, and it's been, it's one, been one of the, the great things that, that coaching has, I think, built in me. I mean, you don't, you don't come out of the womb with a, a certain mentality that grows, changes. And, and, but, you know, you go home from a, from a tough loss and what do I want my kids to see? You know, this, this pity party I'm throwing. No, you don't want to. So you, you put on this, you put on this face and you're like, 
And when they're young, they don't care anyway, right? They don't, they don't care anyway. So you, you go home and you, you, you're like, you, you put, and then you come in, back to practice the next day and you do the same thing. I mean, you're like, okay, what do I want the kids to see? What do I want our team, team, team to see? You know, what's my mentality going to be? What's my message going to be? And so to try to model, to try to model that behavior, I think for me has been, been really, really important in, in helping to establish, um, the, hopefully the why, the why, the why for them. I mean, it's, it's, it's in our biology. It's in our, it's in our human nature. When we, when we give to others, you know, when we, when we give back, Hey, that, that gets us to feel good about ourselves. You know, that, that gets us to feel really good about ourselves. I and mean, there's, there's, a, there's another, another study, um, and it's Rosetta's, um, oh, it's Rosetta's effect in the, in the 1880s, there were a group of, of, um, people from Rosetta, Italy that moved over to the U S in the 1880s, there were 11, 11 men and they were looking for a place to settle. They settled in this place in, in Pennsylvania. And over the years, um, like 1200 more moved in from Rosetta and, and from Rosetta, Italy. And they named it, they ended up naming the, the, the town Rosetta. And there was a, um, a doctor, Dr. Wolf, who, was teaching at University of Oklahoma Med School, and in the summers he would farm in Pennsylvania, and and not too far from Rosetta. And anyway, one day he was literally out for a beer with a doctor from Rosetta, and they were they were just talking, and it was in the in the 1950s. Then they were talking, and this doctor said, um, "You know, I don't ever have any patients that die of heart disease under 65 from Rosetta." And this Dr. Wolf thought it was curious. And anyway, through a few years, um, he did more research and, did, and then started to do a study in like 1961 from on this this community of whatever it was, 1,200, 2,100. And he found that they died at like literally half the rate of any other community. Okay. They didn't have suicides. They weren't on welfare. They didn't have alcohol. Uh, problems. They didn't have any of these any of these issues that society was facing. So then they did this study and they said maybe it's the diet. It wasn't the diet. Okay, they weren't on. They they were cooking with lard. They were you know they were obese. Okay, they, it wasn't the diet. You know, it, a lot of them were heavy smokers. Okay, a lot of them were heavy smokers. Um, genetics. It wasn't it wasn't genetics. They traced ancestors that live in other places. They they were they were not they weren't into yoga. They weren't running. They weren't Okay, so they they did this study, and, and what they came, what they found was this small community of Italians had really secluded themselves from the outside world. That when your mother passed away and you had an elderly father, you didn't put him in a home; you put him in your home. Mm-hmm. You know that when you're walking down when you're walking down the street. You stopped and talked to people. You didn't flaunt your you didn't flaunt your 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 wealth, um, and by not flaunting your wealth, 
you know, that was just something they didn't do. And by not flaunting it, you didn't have comparisons. You know, you didn't have, and there wasn't any Facebook, there wasn't any of that, right? And and so anyway, what they what they found was this close-knit society, <clears throat> even though they had alcohol, they had smoking, they had obesity, people weren't dying because they didn't have stress. You know, they didn't have the stress in their life. So this stress that that we all have now, you know what I mean, we, you know, the <clears throat> especially Americans with you know, that all of a sudden we're, we have cancers popping up, diet, diabetes and all this stuff. They didn't have that simply because of the, <clears throat> the support surrounding them. And so to, to, get <clears throat> to get players that can buy into that and understand that, um, yeah, that takes, a, that takes a daily message. It takes um, the really neat thing is when we are, our upperclassmen are awesome at that. You know, they're getting, they get to a point in their life, juniors and seniors, that they get it. And the freshmen come in and they won't always get it. You know, and you have those juniors and, and seniors that that they help. You know, it's not just my message, you know, but all of a sudden the juniors and seniors show them. We had one of our best leaders this year, um, one of our best leaders ever. She spent four years going through the women's basketball program, never played, you know, really never played. When, how long, when's that happen anymore? You know, when is that? But she was able to, to impart the importance to that and to model that. And it just, and to show that happiness, to show that, that gratitude. And, and, um, you know, that's powerful, right? That's, you know, I, I don't have the secret to it, but, you know, we try, I don't know. Coach. I was listening to uh, another podcast, uh, the Iron Horse podcast. Uh, really interesting. Uh, you know, give them a plug out there if you want to check it out. It's done by um, a former NFL player, but uh, they mentioned about uh, you know the number one uh, thing that you hear a high school coach say is, "I want to coach college since I won't have to deal with parents." Yeah. And the number one thing that you hear college coaches say, "Well, I want to coach at the pro level because I won't have to deal with parents." And but really, in all reality, it never goes away because at the professional level, the parents are essentially the agents and the agents, you know, you know, get involved and things like that. And everyone just has the perception at the college level, you don't deal with parents and stuff like that. But uh, in reality, I'm sure that you have your fair share. And how how do you handle any any issues that come with parents? Because you kind of touched a little bit about that when you talk about in the recruiting process. Sounds like you kind of get a little bit of an insight as to what parents may be an issue. And does that affect you recruiting that kid? Does it ever turn you away yeah, from rec- abs- recruiting absolutely. that kid? <clears throat> abs- absolutely. Absolutely. It can. <clears throat> um, yeah. I think, yeah, for one thing, we're, 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 we're different because we, we do get a, we do get a look and, and decide, okay, that may not be a great fit. <clears throat> the other thing I think we try to do, we try to do well throughout the recruiting process. We try to really clearly define this is who we are. You know, this is who we are. And so hopefully we're attracting that type of prospect, that type of parent that loves our message. Okay. That loves our message. Now the reality is sometimes others will love your message as well. And they, they may think that's who they are. Okay. But, but it's only who they are because their daughter's been starting, you know, right. and yeah, and I'm sure you both heard this, you know, we've never complained about the coach. This is the first time I've ever complained about the coach. It's like, 
well, no kidding. This is the first time your daughter hasn't ever been a starter. You know, that's, mm. that's, um, so the, and the other thing that we try to do is once they get here, we try to, with the prospect, with the parents, we try to define the challenges they're going to face. And we go through all these challenges and, and we talk about them and we review them and we, and, and like, like this is one example that we give. And I think, and I think by telling them, Hey, this is what can happen to us, you know, and, and, and it doesn't mean you're a bad person. You just have to be aware of this because this, this can happen to you as a player can happen to you, you as a, as a parent. And I think if you clearly define it, they're less likely to exhibit that because you've already defined this is what parents can fall into. This is the trap they can fall into. This is the trap players can fall fall into. So we have a, a laundry list of challenges, you know, and, and we'll hit them all in the parent parent player um, meeting. But but we keep going through them throughout the year, and and um, it's just you know there's a lot of things that that you know I hey you learn and all of a sudden you forget. You know, and, and so it's just it's a good reminder. And but like one example is um, kids kids always judge themselves by their by their peak, okay, and not their not their overall performance. So if if I have a good two days, you know, but before that I have a, a crappy five days, you know, I'm always like as a player, I'm like, hey, I I I I had a great practice, right? I had a great I should play well. The coach is looking at it over the long haul, and the player's looking at it short term, mm-hmm. right? And just just to get players to to you know, and and again, we we got a laundry list of things that we go over with our players and with our and with our parents, and and um, the other, one one of the things that's difficult that that's difficult, and, and we want our players to be able to handle this is, you know, you you miss you have a loss or you're not starting. Okay, or you you go back to the dorm, or you go into high school the next day. You go home for Thanksgiving. Uncle Gus says, "Hey, you starting? You know, mm. or did you win? Right? Those are you, you know those are the two two questions you always get. You know, or you what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, what happened? And you know, and I know when I was a younger coach, you know, I was defensive. First of all, you just like you know you didn't want to talk about it. You know, you just like leave me alone type of deal. But I want our players to be able to handle those, those questions, because Great. the people that are, the people that are asking though, uncle Gus loves, loves, loves the little she- Sheila, right? He's not asking it to be mean spirited, but if, uh, if little Sheila isn't playing, you know, and she has to say, oh, I'm JV, you know, that hurts, right? That, that, can, that can hurt. Anyway. So we, we go over all these, what we think this laundry list of challenges, we go through this why parents behave the way they do list so that hopefully they don't before they they exhibit that then they 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 think about it you know they they think about it and um because i know being being a parent too and being you're like and that's again another blessing of being a coach you can sit in the stands and hopefully have a little better perspective but also you can sit in the stands and understand why it's hard for parents, you know, why it's hard for, why it's hard for, for parents. So to have that empathy um, is important as, as, as well. Um, but, but I, well, we've really tried to do a great job describing, you know, the, and who we are, the value, 
the purpose and um, what they're going to get out of it. And, and hopefully we attract the right, right people to start with. That's really interesting, Coach, when you talk about how, you know, as an individual, they look at their peak, you know, how they, you know, their greatest game or how they're playing at that moment. And, you know, I think that's such a indication of human nature, because even as coaches, uh, you know, sometimes we look at, you know, at when all is said and done, we look at how many coaching victories we have instead, yes. of, instead of looking at where did I start out as a coach? And how did I end as a coach and all the people and lives that I impacted along the way and the growth that you had? And and I, I would say that's probably my biggest difference from when I started as a coach to where I've ended now. I, I look at the growth. I look at how I don't even look at the wins and losses. And to be honest with you, this is probably I know that this isn't every coach, but if you ask me the scores of games, I, I probably can't remember them. Yeah, I can remember our records, but I don't remember our individual scores of of our games. And maybe that's bad on my part. I just don't put too much stock into that. But when you look at your coaching career over the years, what would you say is the biggest thing that you evolved on? Well, I would say I would say really what we're talking about right now is making sure my 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 end goal is to give that give that happiness and to, to start with that, that wasn't the end goal. Hopefully they, they had, some of them still achieved that some of the, the, the thing, you know, and hopefully they were, but it, it wasn't what I was always thinking about, you know, and it wasn't, you know, and you'd have kids that, that maybe needed the team, but didn't, didn't have that work ethic or didn't have that, what, whatever it was. And you were less compassionate or I was less compassionate, less empathetic um, with their situation and more like, Hey, you're either you're instead of trying to get them to grow to where I, I wanted them, you know, it was like, no, they're going to, you're either up above here. And if, if not, okay, we can't have you right. You can't instead of trying and, and instead of being like, okay, if you're right here, how can we keep you moving forward? You know, how can we and not sacrifice what ultimately we 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 want to obtain, you know, to still have that discipline, that that competitive fire, that passion that, you know, and that work ethic and that and that to have all of that. And um, so hopefully just a, just a better understanding of that. I think the other thing that, and again, we talk about this at great length with our team always, is just to, to understand human behavior, human nature, and human emotion. And the more I understand that, okay, first of all, the more I understand that in me, okay, that's really important, right? The more I understand my human behavior, my human nature, um, human emotion, the more I understand that and all my faults and flaws, okay, then I can, I can help these players. I can help the, them. Okay. I can help them grow. And, and I, and I can be a better coworker, you know, because, uh, again, okay. I have all these faults. I have all these flaws I have. Okay. So do the people around me. Okay. And, um, and, and how can, so how can I get our players to really, again, understand all of the things that each one of us 
is going through that we don't even understand. You know, they, hey, I don't know what, what this person's always going through. That person's always going through. I don't know, you know, but, um, and again, to give them a better understanding of that, um, uh, again, I, I, I think hopefully they're able to be better teammates with each other. Coach, I, th- I think what you're talking to is the whole concept of principle over emotion, right? And and what a state of mind you have to be in to get past that emotion to stay on par with what you know your principles to be or should be. Yeah. Uh, that's, for me, it's a daily struggle. I mean, you know, I mean, um, I, I feel like I've grown a lot in that in that way, um, and I think Dwayne would say the same thing, and um, clearly you have. But I think sometimes um, we all get wrapped up in the emotion, and that makes us human. Right. And, um, you know, getting kids to understand the fundamentals of why you're doing what you're doing and how you're doing what you're doing helps them get to that. This is the principle. And let's take the emotion out of it. Let's press pause. That whole E plus R equals O. You know, you can't control the event. You can control your response to hopefully get the better outcome that you want. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly that's better put than what I put it. I know. I I wouldn't know. I no. I wouldn't say that at all, (laughs) at at all. Well, I I, I clearly see coach that you are uh, someone who's who's spent a lot of time in this in terms of just your own, uh, your own self. And, and uh, so I'd love to know what you're reading now. Uh, What have you read in the past that you would recommend? Um, You know, Dwayne and I love to read. I think any, anybody in our position, if you're not, you're making a mistake. Um, What's something that, that has touched you? You know, I listen to different podcasts, different podcasts now. Um, you know, I'm rereading. Um, you know, here, here's what I'll do. I'll listen to a podcast if I like it. I listen to it a second time. Amen to that, right? You know, Amen. And then yeah. I write and then I write things down in a notebook too. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm not, I'm not, who's the, who's the Los Angeles coach that has the photographic memory or whatever, you know, that, that, uh, but I will, I will re- re-listen to it two or three times. In fact, my, my, I was just, I was just painting a, a, one of my kids rooms and, and they would come in and I was listening to this podcast and one would be like, are you listening to that again? Didn't you? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I love, I love I, it. I love it. Um, one of them I just read, reread was outliers. Oh I, yeah. Have you read that? If not, that I, Malcolm Gladwell, Ma- Malcolm Gladwell. That's wonderful. That, that is just a, a, a wonderful very insightful book, but, but I, I listen to all different types of, of podcasts. I listen to you guys and you guys. Well, that's all you to, need, right? That's all yeah, you need. Yeah, that's, 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 all that's all I need. <laughs> and I'll read and I, and I'll listen to it and I'll listen to read and I'll listen to it again. And, and, you know, Dwayne, you mentioned something about, you know, Frank Howell and, and, um, you know, we we're talking about not getting caught up in, in your record and this and that. And that's, that's a great example. Here's, he's one of the best coaches and best, best guys, you know, and if you look at his record, you know, it, it wasn't great at, at, at Graceland, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just more circumstances than, than anything, you know, and, and, um, um, but, but if you know him as a person, as a coach, it's like, Hey, he's, he's top notch, you know, in, Absolutely. in, in both. I think that's, I mean, you know, and I've talked to Frank about this and I don't think he would mind me sharing it. You know, I just think that, you know, in the conference that they play in, you know, 
uh, Graceland, huh. Lamoni, you know, with their facilities and where their location is, that's that's hard to get kids to want to come there. And uh, it takes a special special kid that's willing to, you know, see a broader vision to to want to go there when, you know, you're dealing with Des Moines and, and even Oskaloosa, you know, who, you know, probably have much better facilities and bigger cities to live in kind of deal to, to compete with. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely, that's absolutely right. And, you know, I, I, I go back to when I first took over at Cornell, I wanted to be in, in it for the long, for the long haul. And so the, and we're taking over a program that just hadn't, hadn't had um, the history. Well, it had a history, but it wasn't a good history. And um, so I, you know, just looking back, if, if I was someone that, that was using it as a stepping stone or, you know, you'd be out, you'd be out because it took so much, you know, because it wasn't, I just, it wasn't just about this, this one season or the next season, or, you know, it was about, Hey, this is where you want it to be. So you wanted to build something. And, and, um, and so that, that gave you more perseverance, mm. you know, than, than, um, some might have. Yeah, stick to itness, grit, resilience, all the things that we talk about to make make people successful so much more than just um, you know, the game. Yeah, it's yeah. The successful at life, giving them a happy life, blessing them. Well, coach, this has been a fast hour. Uh, I, I can't believe we're we're we gotta wrap it up here. But uh, before we do that, is there anything that you feel like we haven't mentioned that you, you want people to take away from tonight? No, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> is there anything else you want me to mention? But, Again, a loaded um, question, but yeah, just something on your heart. Did you feel like, uh, you know, people, you know, people want to know about you or your program or anything like that? And also coach, we want to make sure that you, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that? What's a, you know, yeah, on exactly. Twitter and stuff like that. So, you know, they can, um, my cell is three, one, nine, three, five, zero, six, six, eight, nine. And they can reach out at any, at any point. That's the easiest. My, my email's easy to look up. It's bbrazi at cornellcollege.edu. So it's just bbrase at cornellcollege.edu. Um, and we'd love to, we'd love to hear from anyone, talk to anyone. Um, if I can help um, in any, in any way, um, we'd, we'd love them to, to reach out to me. So, and, and thanks for having me on. You guys are doing, doing great work. This is, this is, marvelous and so once you get that leadership definition down then and me up again once you get two or three bullet points let me know okay yeah we're gonna work on it Uh, yeah we're gonna work on it um and i I guarantee yeah we got Dwayne and i are talking about a book with all the things that we've learned from so many great people and i'm being serious um but you listen thanks so much coach brazi for being with us tonight it's awesome great to really just learn about who you are and how you've grown and you've added so much to our leadership growth here tonight and i know you've added to a lot of people's as well um we'd like to thank nate alba for having us on uh, stay on uh here tonight listen to hit coach for another 45 minutes um this podcast is going to be uh up sunday so coach we'll, we'll send that out to you um and it'll be out for our leaders on anchor and apple and uh, subscribe and rate review uh thanks for joining us we hope you got uh, better tonight i know i did i got a page and a half of notes and on behalf of myself coach mathis and coach brazi uh, let's keep chasing life leadership and the pursuit of greatness uh, in all that we do. Thanks for stopping by.